This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Our Lord one day sat on the north shore, the Sea of Galilee, on what really is a mountain, because you look down over, you can see the entire lake, the Lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, you can see all of that there. And Jesus taught. Sometimes preachers are concerned that there's too much content. Folks will get lost in a message. Well, go read the Sermon on the Mount, start to finish, chapters 5 to 7, and it is jam-packed. But we're breaking it down, taking it week by week, each section of what the Lord taught. And he's reminding us about what kingdom citizens look like, their righteousness as they meet their obligations to the king and are salt and light before the world. There was a day when, in a general sense, a man's word was his bond. John D. Rockefeller Jr. said this, I believe in the sacredness of a promise, that a man's word should be as good as his bond, the character, not wealth or power as position, but character is the supreme worth. Pretty good statements. Kingdom citizens understand that their real value doesn't consist of the abundance of the things that they possess. Of course, Scripture teaches us that. What really matters is godly character, which includes the verbal commitments that are generated from our life in Christ. What you and I say matters, and the commitments that we make should be kept. In fact, our integrity should overrule any other socioeconomic consideration. Well, it's okay to tell a white lie to get ahead. Everybody does it. Not kingdom citizens. So today I believe the Lord wants us to understand that one of the powerful evidences that a person is a citizen of heaven is that our word is our bond. That our Lord in heaven and people here are completely able to trust what we say. In other words, just generally when somebody mentions your name, when they mention my name, what ought to come to people's minds is integrity and that they can be trusted. Completely trusted. I've entitled our message today, based on the text that we're going to look at, Kingdom Righteousness and Our Commitments to Others. Kingdom Righteousness and Our Commitments to Others. Now, as we continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount, series we've entitled Mountaintop Living. If you want God's blessing, His supreme happiness, and that's how the sermon starts out, you fulfill these obligations to the Lord, this righteousness. And so King Jesus in Matthew 5 is working through six important Old Testament laws, 
And he's interpreting them in the complete way that they were intended. Outward actions are important, but they must flow from a spirit that is yielded to the Lord. Not just the law, but the spirit of the law, but don't neglect what the law says. Uh, I do not appreciate how our leaders are tampering with our Constitution. Well, it's a living document. That's just an excuse to have it say what you want it to say. The Bible is a, God's living word, okay? But it's not there for you to pick and choose or change. We need to take what God said, but Jesus is helping us understand as he completes the law, gives us more to pay attention to, he tells us the spirit in which we should follow God's word. Now the third sin that Jesus addresses is not keeping one's word to another, especially when it comes to our vows and our commitments. Now let me remind us that God who made us in His image, is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. And He made us to be willing to do that as well. But let me ask you a question this morning. Does God ever break any of His commitments? No. We just sang, great is thy faithfulness. No, He's faithful, which means, part of that word, the definition means He's dependable. And He saved us, He regenerated us so that we could be made into His image again. And that means that we can be trusted to keep our commitments, our vows to others. Now notice the statement of the next command. We're in chapter 5, look at verse 33. Again, ye have heard that it has been said of them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. This is the statement of his command. You have heard, and that's it's bedrock scripture. This is what the Lord has said. Again, ye have heard what was said of them of old time, the old ones, your forefathers. We know that that is speaking of holy men of God who spake as they were moved along. And specifically, God's law Moral law, ceremonial law was given through Moses. Those of older generations, here's what they said. Thou shalt not forswear thyself. What's that talking about? Swear falsely. Break an oath. Don't do that. But shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Now let's be reminded about what God said in his word. All right, What did he say? Listen to Exodus 20 and verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Okay, well, pastor, isn't that about swearing? Just using the Lord's name in vain. Well, it, it is part of that. Okay, to blaspheme is sin. But here's what else is a problem. When you use God's name anyway lightly, in a, in a manner that is not meaningful and according to his holy character. Something as simple as this. Ah, God's my witness. Careful. He is your witness. <laughs> However, don't just throw his name around. 
I, I have tried to help our children as they were growing up. They learn these wonderful songs in Sunday school, but sometimes they're just they're singing and they're singing silly, and I'll stop and say, whoa, 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 what are you saying? You talking about the Lord? Got to be careful. If you're going to use a name, you've got to mean it. Okay? And so this is foundational. But then Leviticus 19.12 and ye shall not swear by my name falsely. Neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord thy God. I am the Lord. Have you ever stopped to consider people that use his name as a cuss word are going to discover when they look into his eyes, he's real. They're never going to have to look into Buddha's eyes. Or Muhammad, Muhammad's eyes, okay. They will have to see King Jesus and give an account. So, we don't use his name to swear falsely, make a false oath, and we don't profane his name by doing so. Numbers 30 and verse 2, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, all oaths, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. So God's law through Moses prohibited false oaths and careless use of God's name when making those oaths. But you're going to see a lot of detail in this text that may be confusing to you unless you understand what was happening in Jesus' day. The Jews in Jesus' day had concocted a sophisticated way to make vows that would let them off the hook if they chose not to follow through. Now think about that. So they had actually concocted this way that if I say an oath and I say it in this particular way and I decide later I don't want to keep the oath because of the way I worded the oath, I'm off the hook. You and I, knowing Scripture, knowing our God, say, well, that's pretty ridiculous. Why make the oath if you don't intend to keep it? That's the point. So what were they doing in Jesus' day to get off the hook. Well, let me give you some examples. Writings by the Sanhedrin, the religious court in Jesus' day. You'll recognize that, that uh, term. These were the, this was the gaggle that condemned the Lord, put an innocent man on the cross. The Sanhedrin said that vows sworn by Jerusalem were not binding, but a vow sworn towards Jerusalem well, you had to keep that vow. So if you, in an oath, you brought in Jerusalem, well, if you just brought in the name, not a problem. But if you were facing towards Jerusalem when you made that vow, be careful. You say, well, that's, that's pretty foolish. Well, let me give you another one. Jesus Rebuke the Pharisees, Matthew 23, 16. He says, Woe unto you, you bind guides which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, well, it's nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he's a debtor. He's obligated. He has to perform that. 
the structure, the gold. What's that got to do with anything? Did you give your word or didn't you? Okay, so you can see how petty and ridiculous this was getting. God help the Christian who always speaks in small print. You ever met somebody like that? If they say something to you, you better be listening close because it could come back on your head. Well, that's not the way I worded it. That's not, that's not what I meant. They're telling you something but wording it in such a way that they can wiggle out of it later. Do you know why so many things today are written down in contract form? Why do, why do we have to do it that way? And I'm not saying there isn't some wisdom, especially when there's a lot of detail. Don't misunderstand. But you know why so many things have to be written in a contract? It's because of the lack of trustworthiness in people. Why does the store give people a receipt? Because they may take it back whether they bought it at the store or not. That's the day we live in. So can people trust what you say? Can they trust what you say? Have you done what you said you would do? And by the way, if I could just insert here a couple things. First of all, the Lord tells us to do good, especially to those who are in the household of faith. It should never, ever be that a Christian promised another Christian something and then reneged. Shouldn't happen. Do you know, though, as a pastor, I have had to deal with those situations in churches, praise God, not here, not yet, but where one Christian asked another Christian contractor to come in, do a job, didn't finish the job, didn't live up to the expectations. These are all things that we talked about. Oh, no, we didn't. Job never got finished and so on. That grieves the Holy Spirit. That should not be. And by the way, let me remind us that in this context, what did we talk about last week? Adultery. Do you know what divorce is? Many times it's breaking a contract, breaking an oath before God. And it's interesting that that follows right on the heels of this. Now, I'm not saying that every divorce is the result of that, okay? However, a contract's broken. And so we, we need to be very careful. Can people trust us when we commit ourselves when we say something. So the law God gave to Moses was all about being truthful. And our Lord will cut through the clever deceit of his day to bring speech back to what pleases the king. So Jesus has stated the commandment. Let's go on now in the text. Notice the spirit of the commandment. The spirit of the command. Look at verse 34. But I say unto you, swear not at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Now understand, in the context, this is the kind of stuff 
that people were swearing by. Jerusalem and the earth and, and I am quite figured out the hair on the head and the head, but, but anyway, okay. But that's what they were swearing by. And it was getting out of control. It was ridiculous. And what it was doing was muddying the water's truthfulness with suffering. And it's interesting that our king, the Lord Jesus, is speaking, but who is he? He is the way, the truth. He's the source of truth. He's always on the side of truth. He's concerned about truthfulness. All right. So, don't swear at all. If you don't swear at all, you won't swear falsely. Does this mean that a person should never swear an oath? And that's an important question in this text, isn't it? What about those of us who swore an oath to law enforcement? Those of you that swore an oath for the military. How about in a court of law? Just be honest, I think people should still have to stand, place their hand on the Bible, raise their right hand, and swear to tell the truth, so help me, God. And so, is the Lord getting rid of it? You should never make an oath. Well, there are a few points that we need to consider here. First of all, remember, this text is about the importance of truthfulness. It's about the importance of truthfulness. It confronts those who spin oaths to evade the truth and swear by random things to try to uh, convince others of their false honesty. That's the context. It's about the importance of truthfulness. Here's something else to consider. God swore promises unto the fathers, the fathers of Israel and to David. In Matthew 26, 63, Jesus responded under oath. The high priest says, I adjure thee by the name of God, tell the truth. And the Lord did. The high priest asks, are you the Christ? Are you Messiah? And he says, you have said it. You've spoken. So, the Lord responded under oath. Repeatedly, Paul says, God is my witness. You can look at places like Romans 1, 9. 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 and verse 10, Philippians 1, 8. Paul is constantly saying, God is my witness. God is my witness. My witness is true. Now why would the Lord do this? Why would Paul do this? Well, God the Father, God the Son, and these others didn't swear because they sometimes lie. It's just kind of an extra help not to tell a lie. You think that's why the Lord bound himself to an oath? Why Paul did? Not at all. They swore because they wanted men to believe what men already knew knew to be true of them. Let me say that again. They swore because they wanted men to believe what men already knew to be true of them. So it's not wrong to say to someone, now here's what I'm going to do for you. And you know that the God I serve, he's witness. Okay, okay. 
Nothing wrong with that. But if you don't know God, you don't live for God as a citizen of the kingdom, and you throw his name around, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not why those in Scripture, our Lord, those who knew him, why they did that. Right? To confirm what, I'm, what we're talking about here, consider together Hebrews 6.17. Hebrews 6.17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by what? An oath. You can trust God completely. You can base your whole life on this book and it won't fail you. These promises come from the throne of heaven and this word is established forever. Now, with that said, so why does God commit himself? Why does he make his oath to us to show us as the heirs of promise that he cannot change and his counsel stands? And so he confirmed it by an oath. Right. So as we look back at the text, don't swear, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, verse 35, nor by earth, for it's God's footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, verse 36, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because... Thou canst not make one hair white or black. Now that can be puzzling. What, so what is the Lord saying? And this is very simple. Let's put it all together. Whatever men were swearing by in Jesus' day was related to God. Do you know everything about your life is related to God? He is the one with whom we have to do. Every choice I make, every decision that I make, every word that I utter, it's all about God. And by the way, same is true for you. You say, well, I made that promise to him and he doesn't deserve it anymore. No, no, no. God heard your promise. Okay. So, all related to God. Heaven, earth, Jerusalem, even the hairs on your head are controlled by God. Amen? Amen. That was all right. The fact you have any hair on your head is controlled by God. He tells us that those hairs are numbered. You know what the literal language there is? Every one of those hairs has a number. Now, some of your numbers are changing, okay? <laughs> But that's what the scripture teaches. Who controls all that? Well, it's genetics. No, it's God. And probably genetics has something to do with it too. Okay. But it's God. What does he tell us? He'll say later in this very gospel, can you think, well, I want to be taller and make yourself taller. Can you think, I want to be skinnier. Let's not talk about that before Thanksgiving. Okay. All right. 
God's in control. All these things. And he is the one, every word I utter is before him. So be careful what you swear. Whatever men were swearing by in Jesus' day was related to God. So ultimately, here's the point. The Lord knows what is said on earth, his footstool. He will bring every word into judgment before heaven, his throne. And by the way, our words will impact how we as kingdom citizens reign with him when he sits on his throne in Jerusalem. See, it's all right. And by the way, in glorified bodies, I think we're all going to have hair. Mark Taylor, be encouraged, brother. Be encouraged. Okay, all right. But honestly, folks, if you look at that list and you think about God, it encompasses where we interact with him as far as fear, but we're reminded that we serve a God who has no boundaries. He inhabits eternity. Okay. Wow. Matthew 12, 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So our thinking should be completely overwhelmed with the truth that someone is listening in and recording every conversation that we have. You're under surveillance. And God hears every commitment we make. Parents, the commitments you make to your kids. Spouses, the commitment you have made to your spouse. You've made commitments to your employer. How are you doing with that? We may wiggle out of our commitments here, but the court of heaven is in session with all-knowing King Jesus residing. He's heard it all. Do you know that when you read the passages about heaven and what happens before the throne, you never read about a jury? Why? He didn't need a jury. He's perfect in his judgment, and he has seen and heard it all. So if you've reneged on a promise... Or, of, or violated a contract. You need to go to your Lord, seek His forgiveness, He will forgive you. And you need to make things right with those that you've lied to. Well, I, I just didn't see the, the small print. Okay, all right. Well, that, that could be honest. And you need to work with whoever you signed that contract with to make sure that things are right but a contract's a contract. And because you are a citizen of the kingdom, people ought to know your integrity and that you will fulfill your word. So let's close. What the Lord says next is direct, and it's the answer to the problem. Look at verse 37. But let your communication be yea, yea. Now that's simple. Let your yes be yes. So if somebody comes to you and they say, 
Are you going to be able to do this? Can you help with this? Are you willing to, this, to, to fulfill this agreement? Your yes should be nothing but yes. Yes. Say, well, I, I just did not know. Then don't say yes. Slow down, understand what's about to happen, okay? And as you've prayed about it, as you sought the Lord's will, so on, then give your yes, if that's what he wants. But the verse also goes on, and your nay, nay. What's that mean? Let your no be no. See, it's, it's not complicated. Young people, one of the best things that you'll be able to do for yourself early on is to just determine, no matter what I fear the consequence will be, my yes needs to be yes and my no needs to be no. As soon as someone goes against the truth, they've gone against God. That's not going to work for you. Say, well... <laughs> I see people in politics and with wealth and so on, and they lie and they cheat and, uh, and stop right there. What you're saying is you think they're getting away with it. You're wrong. No, they're not. No, they're not. The Lord's not done. Let your yes be yes, your no be no, for whatsoever is more... Uh, then these cometh of evil. End of verse 37. What's the Lord saying? So whatsoever is more than yes, because it's yes, or no, because it's no, it comes from evil. It's evil in its origin. Well, yes, I'll do that, and, 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 no, no, yes or yes, no or no. Because whatever is beyond that, it originates from evil. That's what the Lord was speaking. So when people say extra things to convince you they are telling the truth, you need to be wary. <laughs> Their oaths and promises may be coming from an evil heart that doesn't intend to follow through. People that overstate things. Oh, yeah, I never am late. I, uh, okay, now I'm nervous. You don't need to overstate things. You have my word. Done. Kingdom citizens are righteous in what they say. Yes means yes, no means no, because they are completely trustworthy. If a problem arises that makes the oath an impossibility. A kingdom citizen comes back to the person and they're just completely honest. Here's what I intended. Here are my circumstances. Can we renegotiate terms? I will make this right, but right now I can't. Please help me because I want to maintain my integrity and be truthful to you. That honors the Lord. Now, why is all this important? Because kingdom righteousness governs our commitments to the Lord and to others. And that needs to be our heart because we want to please the king and live 
on the mountaintop, walking with him, right with him, fulfilling our commitment to him and others. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you for this text. Lord, one of the reasons we have so much to be thankful for this Thanksgiving is because our covenant-making, covenant-keeping God has been so faithful, perfect in your faithfulness. And Lord, we get to experience those benefits every day. But Father, you are worthy of experiencing the fruit and the benefit of your people who are called by your name, keeping their word, being a blessing to you and being a blessing to each other in the world because they can be trusted. And Father, today, if any of this truth has reminded a believer where there's been loose talk, where there's been the breaking of a covenant, Lord, would you help us to come to you knowing that if we're just honest and we confess, you'll forgive. Lord, you'll release us from that. But then, Lord, we need to go to others that we've not been truthful to and we need to make that right. So help us to be willing in the quiet of the coming moments, Lord, to be able to do that serious business with our King. Lord, I would pray this morning that if there's anyone here who doesn't know Christ, that they'd understand that not just what they say and the commitments they've made, but all of their actions and thoughts and words will condemn them someday if they don't turn in faith to Jesus Christ and have your forgiveness, your salvation. And Lord, even if they haven't kept their word, if they'll come to you and repent of their sin and believe on Christ, you'll keep your word and you promise them salvation. They can have that today. So help them to come to you this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's Word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.